welcome to the Weekend Booktopian, our podcast where a few booktopians get together to chat book news and the books that we are reading and enjoying. I'm Nick Wasiliev, Booktopia's social media specialist, and I am joined over the airways by senior content producer, editor of the Booktopian blog, and fellow Weekend Booktopian host, Olivia Frico. Hello, Liv. Hi, Nick. Our assistant category manager for nonfiction lifestyle, Amy Evans. Hello, Amy. Hello. And last but certainly not least, one of our favourite recurring guests. You know her from the Words and Nerds podcast, and she's just come straight from her live Facebook stream for the best dad jokes, Danny V. Hello, Danny. Hello. I'm so glad to be back. I love being here. And today, this isn't for listeners, but I can see your faces, so it's even better. <laughs> Yeah, it's, a, it's nice to be back. We're all over the airwaves. We're all, all across the city, but we are here in virtual world together, and it's nice to see you all. Um, so as with all episodes, we'll kick off by diving into the world of book news, and then we'll be discussing the books that we have been reading and enjoying, and then be sure to stick around to the end when my guests go head-to-head in a battle for book supremacy that we like to call Book Fight. I forgot about Book Fight. I know, I've got to forget. It's, it's, it traumatises too many people oh. and then like they're all thinking, they're all in, engaged in, in, in which books they should be reading and suddenly they're like, oh wait, we have to do this now? Oh I God. Blocked, I, I blocked it out. <laughs> Removed it from our brains. Um, but fortunately we have a book news and book reading first and in terms of book news, uh, first up, AFL footballer, Australian of the Year, community leader and anti-racism advocate Adam Goods has teamed up with a political advisor and former journalist Ellie Liang and an artwork, uh, an artist by a Barakindi illustrator, David Hardy, to create a brand new children's book. Oh, the it's called Somebody's Land um, and it's the first picture book in a new five book series, I think, called Welcome to Our Country. Um, we have a blog post all about it um, on the, over on the Booktopian if you guys want some more info on like why Alan Nunwin is publishing it, what the idea is. Um, but it's just a really gorgeous looking picture book um, introducing kids to the idea of, you know, First Nations history and also the concept of terra nullius, which is that legal term meaning land belonging to no one. Um, so it's really cool that it's this kind of thing is being introduced in picture book form like I'm sure it's not the first to do so but it's the first to be done by Adam Goods which I think is really awesome. Mm, I agree and it comes out uh, November 2nd. Have you had the chance to to have a look at this uh, this book Danny? What are your thoughts on it? Oh, I think it's beautiful and I'm really looking forward to it. I think um, picture books are great for this topic and I really like how it says that you know you were going to really understand what welcome to our country means and I think that's really important because you know as a kid I don't think we got that much learning about that. So bringing it into a picture book and giving kids the opportunity to do some really important learnings about about these kind of things, I think it's really, really important. And of course, it's just going to be beautiful. I can see just by the cover, the images, the visual images and illustrations are going to be gorgeous. And people know Adam Goods and he does, you know, some good things with anti-racism advocacy and things like that. So I think it's going to be fantastic and I, I can't wait to get my own hands on it to actually. It ties into what's been like, there's been a lot of fantastic uh, kids books like that over the last couple of uh, months that have been coming out. And it's so exciting to see that, that it's, it's on that wave of, of in terms of edu- educational, but also really just beautiful books aimed at a younger audience, highlighting that this method of thinking is, you know, is something that should be encouraged and examined. And it's, uh, it's important that so many books are just striking that, that really good balance of being educational, but also really informative for kids. Um, our second bit of news is the announcement of the July pick of Reese Witherspoon's book club. So for those, for those listeners who are not familiar, um, Reese Witherspoon, uh, every month she has a book club, which chooses a book with a woman at the centre of the story. Um, and this particular uh, year, this week, or this month rather, she has chosen a book by Miranda Kelly Heller, uh, which is titled The Paper Palace. Um, Amy, I know you're relatively familiar with Miranda Cowley Heller. Um, what can you tell us about her and this book? Well, my, <clears throat> sorry, my fun fact that I read about her um, today actually was that she's the senior vice president at HBO. Um, so bets are on that this is going to be a 
movie or TV limited series probably within the next year. Um, it's so it's like, like I'm mentioning on that HBO point. She's done, I think she's behind Miranda Kelly Hill has been behind the Sopranos, Six Feet Under, Deadwood, um, Big Love, a lot of really, really big HBO shows. Do you know um, what sounds amazing about this book is that it unfolds over 24 hours, but it's across 50 years. So it goes across decades of families and legacies. And I think that's really interesting. So 24 hours, but across 50 years. So that intrigues me. It's yeah, it's, it's like it's half a, an hour per year or something. <laughs> it's like an episode of 24 with Jack Bauer. I'm so into it. Yeah, it's a, it look. It looks like a very interesting story. It's, it follows a character called Ellie Bishop, um, who starts with heading out for a swim in the in a glorious freshwater pond. Um, it's a um, and the paper place is this place called uh, is basically a, dis, a decaying summer camp in the backwoods of Cape Cod, where her family have spent every summer. Um, but as she passes the house, Ellie glances through the screen porch at the uncleared table from a dinner party the previous evening, and suddenly that whole world starts to come alive, essentially. And I'm not going to spoil anything else for anything further because uh, that would be spoiler territory and we don't want to do that. We recommend you go and buy the book instead. Hmm. And what I really do like about Reese's Book Club is that she does pick those books that have the woman at the centre and often a woman, you know, in Hollywood standards, you know, you're not your 20-year-old woman. So I really like how she picks these parts um, and these characters. So it tells interesting stories of, of women of all ages. And I think that's really important. And that's why I like Reese's Book Club. Mm -hmm. It is. Have we, have any of you guys um, been able to check out any of the previous uh, picks for the club? I read Daisy Jones in the Six, like shortly after she announced, I think that was her first book. I could mm. be wrong. Um, but I wanted to read that anyway, because my friend Tanea was like, raving about it at the time. So thank you, Tanea. Um, and now I'm obsessed with Taylor Jenkins Reid. So I think it's great. And yeah, I've read a couple um, from Reese's list. Yeah, I haven't read any yet, but I have a copy of um, Seven Days in June, last month's pick, um, which everyone um, in the office has been saying is like out loud laughing, hilarious. So I'm really keen to read that one. Mm. If you don't read them, they'll just be, you know, 10 part series anyway, that you can just watch. Yeah, I'll just watch them in two yeah. years time, starring Reese Witherspoon herself. It's Reese Witherspoon's book club to TV adaptation pipeline. <laughs> Look, as long as the books are good, I'm not complaining. Um, but yeah, so be sure to go and check out uh, the July pick for Reese Witherspoon's book club, The Paper Palace. And that brings us to the end of the news segment for this week. And we'll dive into the books that we are reading and enjoying. And I'm going to throw to our guest first. Danny, you, you're, you're currently, you bring eight or nine books every single time and I expect nothing less. What have good. you brought for us this time? Eight books. So, but you know, last, if, if anyone listened to the episode I was in last time, I did this accidentally. I don't really plan the reading, you know, whatever comes to me, whatever's coming up on the podcast, whatever's interesting. But I seem to go down these little paths where I, last time, I realised as I read out my eight books, that were just about all crime. <laughs> and so I don't prepare this list until, you know, the day before because I just read what I read. And this, this time, there's another little theme, all right? So... I'll take, I'll take you through it. Are you ready? Yes. I think we can guess what it is. <laughs> really? Oh, we'll see, we'll see. We'll see if you're right. It's not crime. Although I did read first book, The Inheritance by Gabriel Bergmosa, the follow-up to his book, The Hunted, and I just loved this book. It's, it's different, but we still follow Maggie's story, um, and it's an internal journey, but there's still a lot of action, and I tell you what, a cracking beginning, and I just love how this woman is just so resourceful. She's so smart got a bit of trauma going on. And I just love Gabe's writing. I think he captures it really well. And I think I loved the first book. I actually think I like The Inheritance even better. So I would definitely get my hands on it. He's just such a good writer. And you know how you you sort of forget and you you go on to different stories, etc. And then you pick this one up and you go, oh, he's such a good writer, <laughs> you know, as well as the action and the great character. He really knows how to put those words on the page. So that's my number one. 
Number two, Nancy Business, RWR McDonald. I love his follow-up to the Nancys. I just find this so fun, such a joy. And I like how it's crime because crime is often very dark, very serious, all that. And I love crime, obviously. Um, but this is just a different twist, you know, really young protagonist. But the uncles, oh, my God, how much do I love them? They're so funny. They're so sassy. They get up to hijinks. And the character is just, the characters are amazing. So I love that book. And I love Rob as well. He's awesome. Also, number three, took a bit of a, a bit of a detour and read A Hundred Remarkable Feats of Xander Mays by Clayton Zane Comber. And this was just a really sweet book. And I like, believe it or not, I like wholesome books sometimes. And this was a list that he compiled, like a little bucket list to save his dying grandmother. And he really believes that it can happen. And so he puts these a hundred lists, you know, things together, things that he can do so or he wants to do and it's really hard because he's not that kind of kid to put himself out there so he's got all these amazing things that he has to achieve um, in order to um, save his grandma I guess so it's a beautiful story it's really nostalgic and I think anyone who has had a relationship with their grandparents and reads this it really hits you in the feels so I really loved that and we had such a great conversation um, he actually this is a great story he took his 91 year old grandmother in real life to Europe on this massive European tour for like six weeks. <laughs> and I'm like, what an amazing experience that would be. So let's hope for a grandson like Clayton when we get to be 92. <laughs> Take me to Spain for six, six weeks, hopefully future grandchild. Uh, number four in the, the books, the full books that I read was uh, One Night Stand by Simon Taylor. He's a stand-up comic and it's really hilarious when you when you read it. It's quite a short book, um, but it's really well written. I love how it's really well edited as well. Really well edited, sparse written books. They really do it for me. And this was one of them. And it's so funny, the opening page, because I don't know that I've read any fiction about a comedian right so in the, it opens with him doing this stand-up gig no one's laughing in fact there's someone asleep um, in the audience and he's delivering these jokes and he's got this message in his pocket which is really urgent from a one night stand that he had so you can imagine what's going on and he's conflicted he just wants to get out of there and no one's laughing and it's just the best comedy i don't know what kind of comedy you like but cringe comedy is my absolute favorite <laughs> when you're sitting going oh no please don't do that so you know kind of anything Ricky oh, I yeah the office something that really is cringeworthy really does it for me so <laughs> that was really good now here's where the theme comes guys i was i was going through a bit of a, a picture book obsession this month quick to read <laughs> which was great, but I really love a good picture book. So some of my favourites for this month was, as you mentioned earlier, Nick, Stop the Dad Jokes by Adrian Beck. Fun. And what I really like about it is that you can read it aloud to your kids. And then, you know, your whole day then is just bad dad jokes the whole day. So I don't know if that's for everyone, but no, it's really great. And I actually had, I went and bought the book, you know, support my mate Adrian and my kids were running around fighting over the copy because they wanted to tell all the dad jokes. So I've seen a couple of pics as well on um, socials of, you know, their dads in bed with their kids reading the book aloud. So that's really cool. So I think, you know, future books, how they sometimes go beyond what they are. So this is like really bringing sort of families together because it's about, you know, the dorky dad with a little bit of a twist at the end. So it's a really cool book. It makes me yeah. wish Mark was on this podcast. He, I think that's a book that he would absolutely love. <laughs> He loves the dad jokes, Mark does. Yeah, well, you know what? Someone on Instagram said, where are the mum jokes? We need a mum joke, dad joke off. Like, yeah. you know, a battle, a mum joke, dad joke battle. Because why do the dads get all the jokes, you know? Mm. Anyway, <laughs> it's in the pipeline. Okay. <laughs> um, second picture book, got four altogether. Uh, Chatterpuss by Josh Pike. This was really cute. And I really liked speaking to Josh about the similarities between writing songs and writing picture books because they both have to say a lot with as few words as possible and so I really liked that correlation between them because at first you think oh being a musician probably doesn't have a lot to do with writing picture books but it actually does have a lot to do with each other you know trying to write that story with hitting all the little points that you have to hit getting some emotional uh, response from your reader or your listener and I think um, that's really important so this book Chatterpuss lovely funny light-hearted with a beautiful little message at the end of our friendship so again wholesome loving wholesome this month guys what's wrong with me uh, two more. 
Uh, Crocs don't do yoga, Michelle Wilson. I just found this really fun and wacky and the images are really fun because if you just think about Crocs doing yoga, it's very weird. So I liked that. And um, Reggie Red, Josie Layton, I really liked this. It was about the young girl who, um, you know, she was not loving herself and not wanting to go to school. And then she realises that kind of every girl is kind of like that. And this is just about a story about a girl. I'm not alienating boys. But I just then thought it's a really important story because lots of kids watch fairy tales all the time with the beautiful fairy tale princesses, which is fine because they're gorgeous and we love them. But it's not reality. And so I like the idea of everyone kind of feeling a little bit self-conscious. But that's okay because that makes us real and that makes us better and beautiful. So... I read this article about little girls, how they love themselves, you know, when they're kids and they're twirl around in mirrors. And at some point in teenage years, they dislike themselves. And I find mm. that really horrifying and really sad. And that then, you know, follows you into, into womanhood. Maybe this is just my diary, but I don't know. But, you know, so I think um, the more of these books about self-acceptance and, you know, liking yourself, no matter if you're too tall or this hair colour or whatever, I think it's really cool and important. Great list from <laughs> crime to wholesome kids books to dad jokes. My all God. over the place. Got it yeah. all. <laughs> it's, I was going to say, it's also sad that Sarah isn't on this podcast as well, because she'd be enamoured with all of those amazing kids books that you've picked. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's also good that uh, you mentioned the Gabe Bergmoser um, book because uh, we we were lucky enough to have him in when The Hunted was about to come out, and this was before it it, it really took off. And it's so great to see uh, you talking on your point about how good a writer that he is, oh, uh, just is. his ability to write crime. That The Hunted was such a twisted mm. a twisted story and a dark story, and it's great that he's continuing yeah. on in that series, which is fantastic. I love talking to Gabe. He's just got this mind that doesn't stop. So when he talks, you just can, you can talk to him for hours and never stops. And you just go you're all these weird places. So I think that's how his brain operates. Oh, yeah. Well, it was lovely chatting to him. It, well, it was annoying. We couldn't have him physically in face to face, but yeah. um, it was it was great to chat to him about The Hunted as well. He's also, when, when we chatted to him, he had like all of his nerdy stuff behind <laughs> him and so I just spent the entire podcast or the even beforehand just like going what's he got what's all this stuff here? <laughs> which made me laugh but yeah amazing amazing list uh, love it as always thank you so much Danny um I'm gonna now throw to Amy uh Amy what have you been enjoying over the last uh, couple of weeks I have two very different books um I have a self-help non-fiction and a YA fantasy series um, so total ends of uh, the spectrum. Um, so the first one is The Comfort Book by Matt Haig. And I think everybody um, at Booktopia is already sick of me talking about Matt Haig and <laughs> only worked here for six months. Um, but I will never stop singing his praises. He's my absolute all-time favourite author. And uh, most people probably know him from The Midnight Library, which just is a stupidly successful book at this point. Um, but I really love him for his nonfiction. Um, his book, Reasons to Stay Alive, is probably my favourite book ever, his memoir. And this is a really nice companion to that um, in kind of a more lighthearted way than those other books of his are. So it's a mix of personal stories, philosophy, um, fun little things like book recommendations and wacky poems. And there's even a recipe on how to make the perfect peanut butter toast. Um, but basically it's designed to just be opened up whenever you need and you could read any page at any time and take a small little bit of comfort from it. And it's just such a lovely book. Um, that's not how I read it. I read it front to back because I was so excited. Um, but it was great. It's um, on the website. It says it's a collection of little islands of hope. And I just think that is so lovely. Um, but if you've read his fiction, I highly suggest his nonfiction. Um, he's got Reasons to Stay Alive and Notes on a Nervous Planet. And this book is just the perfect companion to those two. Can we just circle back a bit, Amy? Can you tell me how to make the perfect peanut butter toast? <laughs> Look, I'm not going to lie. It's pretty straightforward. <laughs> I'm intrigued. You have to put butter on first. Right. Yes. Secret, Thank you. Yes. yes. Yep. I will not yeah, have peanut butter, butter, butter on first. All right. 
hard, hard agree. You must put bean, uh, must put butter on first. What do you think about? I don't think I'm such a weirdo for doing that. And now no. I feel like I found the no, people. Finally. That's it. That's the one confirmed by Matt Haig. Yeah. <laughs> Does anyone like jam on top of their peanut butter? Because I do. Yes, what? actually, like yeah. it's okay. So it's an okay. So this one is a I, I actually learnt from my partner because she actually quite likes having jam and mm, peanut butter together. Probably, it's like really common in in like the US. Yeah, yeah. Like it's peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Mm. I think they they call it over there. Yeah, yeah. I'm um, really really into it. Yeah, it, but it go, It actually <laughs> goes well together. It actually does. <laughs> Sorry, Amy. Sidetracked. <laughs> <laughs> Look, whatever brings you guys comfort, you can put jam on your peanut butter toast. It's fine by me. Um, but my other reading obsession at the moment, I feel like I am ridiculously behind on this series, but I read Carry On by Rainbow Rowell. Uh, I feel like this is a book I should have read like eight years ago and I would have been obsessed with it, but I'm obsessed with it now. So it's really no harm. <laughs> Um, basically, it's a YA fantasy, but it's the perfect mix of YA and fantasy. It's the classic chosen one story, um, but our main character, Simon, is not the best chosen one. He's the worst chosen one to ever be chosen, um, as he's called. And it's set in a magical world where something is traveling around and stealing magic and creating black holes, and it's up to him to fix this. Um, it is just, it hits everything on my YA bingo card. Um, it's got enemies to lovers. It's got the perfect female um, characters. It's hilarious. And it's weirdly sad in some points. Like I don't expect to have a cry reading about vampires and dragons <laughs> and magical spells, but it is amazing. I um. I read the first book on a Friday night. I woke up on Saturday. I immediately picked up the second book and I mainly bring it up because the third book comes out next week and Ooh. I am stupidly excited. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like surprisingly it wholesome. Current. It is. Although I feel like the third book is going to get like weirdly emotional. Um, it's described as the, the longest and most emotional wrenching journey yet. Uh, so I feel like I'm in for it. <laughs> um, but I mainly bring it up because I just want sympathy for the fact that the third book, um, Anyway the Wind Blows, is currently sitting on my desk at work and we are in lockdown in our homes. Oh, so appreciate oh. your uh, thoughts and prayers. Sad. So yeah, just yeah, so just as an sad. FYI, when we eventually do come out of, lock, uh, out of lockdown and you uh, go and pick up this book and take it home with you finally. Um, if we have like a sick day, if, if Amy suddenly doesn't come in because of like a sick day, be, because you're so yes, emotionally I will be taking a brought... compassionate leave day. <laughs> compassionate leave day, we'll know why. Okay, all right, that's handy yes. to know. I'll get my emails, I'll get my emails into you beforehand. <laughs> Please, and thank you. <laughs> amazing that's, that's recommendations. That's it for me. Yeah, love them, they're great. Um, oh, amazing. <laughs> Um, and lastly, I will throw to my fellow host, uh, Liv, what have you been enjoying the last couple of weeks? Oh, so many books. It's, I feel like it's been a while since I've been a guest on this show, so I've had to like cherry pick stuff that I just, so I've got like a random mix of stuff. So I'm going to start with two kids' books, which is not usual for me. I don't tend to read kids' books that much unless I'm revisiting something that I love, uh, which is exactly what I'm doing here. Um, so... I don't know how many people would know of uh, Fly By Night by Frances Harding. Um, she's a pretty prevalent children's author now. She writes a lot of weird, wacky, bizarro fantasy. Um, but Fly By Night is her debut novel. And I read it back in 2005 when it first came out, I think was when it came out. Um, and I loved it. I would reread it all the time. It was always on my shelf. It was just one of those books I would pull off and flick through just because I loved it so much. Uh, but as most books that you read as a kid tend to do, it fell by the wayside as I grew older. Um, and I hadn't read this book until about a month ago when I found my old copy at my parents' house. Um, and I started to read and then got sucked in again. And I listened to it on audiobook. So Fly By Night is set in a world loose, loosely based on early 18th century England, um, where the monarchy's been overthrown, the realm is governed by an inept parliament, but in this world, it's the guilds that hold all the power. So there's watermen who control the rivers. 
um, stationers who control all reading material and have banned books that don't have their special stationer seal. Um, and then there's the Locksmiths Guild and they're essentially the Mafia. Um, so in this world lives a young orphan named Mosca Mai. She's the daughter of a rebellious scholar who gave her one very important gift that comes to play a huge role in her life, the ability to read and write. So Mosca escapes her hometown in the company of a conman and spy named Eponymous Clint and a homicidal goose named Saracen. He is the best character <laughs> in the entire book. I love it. Like him. an animal? Like the, the goose? Yes, the animal, animal. goose. Yeah. He, oh, at one point, he steals a barge and, like, holds a guy captive. He enters, like, a beast fight. He's the greatest animal character Brilliant. of all time. Yeah. I'm Thumbs up for Saracen. So, basically, they set off for the busy port town city of Port City. Not Port Town. That's not a thing. Port City of Mandelian? No, Mandeline. I pronounced it as Mandelian as a kid. But then when I was listening to the audiobook, they said Mandeline. I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense because it rhymes <laughs> with Mandeline. Anyway, what follows is a murder mystery, a political thriller, and a smart comedy all wrapped up in this one wonderful book. There is so much to love in Fly By Night and a lot of really adult themes that I appreciated much more now. Like it really makes you think about things like liberty, equality, privilege, and education, um, about freedom of speech and how language is used for good and for ill. Um, the world building is just wonderful down to like local politics and the religious belief system. The characters are fantastic and also delightfully named. Um, Mosca is one of my favorite all-time heroines in all of literature. She's right up there with like Lyra Balacqua. Um, she's plucky and she's funny. Um, but she's also really vulnerable and she also makes a lot of decisions out of fear that sometimes put other people in danger. Um, but the way that she learns to own up to those things and put things right for people and learns that her actions actually do have power is just so satisfying to read. I love her. Um, and to my delight, there's also a sequel called Twilight Robbery, which I had no idea existed until very recently. And I'm currently devouring that by audiobook. So if you've never read a Frances Harding book, uh, start with Fly By Night because I love it. It's so good. Um, hey, highest recommendations. <laughs> I know. Um, so now I'm going to move on to a book that's completely different. Um, it's a non-fiction book. Um, so you had to have been hiding under a rock to have missed the current public discourse around sexual assault and consent. Um, it certainly sometimes felt unescapable in my end. Um, New South Wales just introduced legislation around affirmative consent, uh, where consent to sex is actively sought and communicated by both parties. Um, and that's now the standard by which sexual assault claims in court will have to be proven. Um, I've been thinking a lot about this recently, and while I definitely think this is a good thing, a step in the right direction for sure, I kind of worry about consent being held up as the ultimate pillar of women's sexual agency, uh, because it always felt like a band-aid to a much bigger pro cultural problem. Uh, turns out I wasn't alone in thinking this, which brings me to the third book that I'm going to talk about today, which is Catherine Angel's book, Tomorrow Sex Will Be Good Again, it's Women and Desire in the Age of Consent. Um, Angel is a British academic and a phenomenal writer, and in this short non-fiction book she unpacks the cultural narrative of desire and sexuality that informs sex between men and women. Um, it's specifically heteronormative in focus, uh, and that's by design, like Angel acknowledges that she's not the right person to speak to queer sexuality. Uh, her interest lies in what happens when a woman admits her desire for men and how she can be punished for it, uh, but also how this narrative around desire and arousal is also harmful to men. You know, that idea that men are always switched on and ready to go, while women just need some convincing and warming up. Like, it's really that kind of stuff. Um, the crucial thing that she points out is that sex isn't a structured, knowable thing, and it is by nature a private act that you can't really regulate. So Angel's main question is, why are women expected to always know exactly what they want in order to avoid assault? Especially since when a woman admits to her desire for men, she's often punished and slut-shamed for it. Um, Angel obviously isn't saying to get rid of consent altogether because it is important. She's just questioning its usefulness as a vehicle for women's sexual empowerment. Um, this book's incredible. Um, I don't want to say too much more because the value of reading Tomorrow Sex Will Be Good Again comes from seeing Angel work through her argument on the page. It's just such an intelligent and informed perspective on the consent issue that I think brings some much needed nuance to the conversation and I really highly recommend it. Wow, I love that. Liv, you've sold me. Give me a copy. I want it. <laughs> yeah, like, 
just you, you sit in there reading it going like I'd never even thought about this but she just goes so deeply into every angle and like she covers all of these scientific studies on sexuality like Masters and Johnson's like groundbreaking study and she's like yes it's been valuable but then also the conditions in a lab aren't the conditions in the bedroom you know what I mean so <laughs> mm, love it just such an interesting read um pretty good for fans of I'd say like Brie Lee um Eggshell Skull like if you were reading those kind of books and you're thinking about that, that's a this is a must read. Mm -hmm. I yeah. recommend it. So Love it. What a great. What a. Yeah. It sounds like a very, very, very interesting book. And considering how much space this topic of it's it come, it sounds like it's coming at a perfect time uh, for us to kind yeah, of be talking about this subject. Yeah. yeah. And, and even so though it's British, it's still applicable. Yeah. Uh, I've got two more books. I'm going to talk about them super quick because I'm reading now and I'm not. I'm not like done with them yet. Um, so first, I want to jump into Empire of the Vampire by Jay Kristoff. Um, I picked this up over the weekend. Um, I've been putting it off for a little bit because it it's a chunky read. It's like <laughs> 700 pages. Um, and I do tend to rate Jay's sci-fi more than his fantasy, purely because I love the, ba the banter and the zaniness of it. Like, I love the Aurora Cycle. I love the Illuminate trilogy. Um, whereas his fantasy is a lot more epic and... Baroque, I guess, would be a good way to set, to describe it. Um, I do like it. Like, it is enjoyable to read. Um, and I'm really enjoying this one. So it's Empire of the Vampire is set in a world that's been shuttered in eternal dusk and overrun with vampires. Um, and it follows a half-vampire, half-human named Gabriel de Leon, who is part of an order of faithful soldiers known as the Ordo Argent, or the Silver Order. They're called Silver Saints. Um, and basically what they do is they hunt down evil creatures. So when we meet Gabriel, he's been imprisoned in a vampire stronghold after an assassination of someone very big and important. Um, and the peculiar thing is he's been commanded to tell his life story. So he's assuming he's about to be executed. And he's like, well, what am I going to do? I may as well just tell my story. So we, we're basically hearing his life story. Um, it's really good. I'm really enjoying it. It's 700 pages, as I said, but it's really engaging that you like, chomp through 50 pages at a time like it leans into vampire lore and it twists it a little but also nods at the rich literary tradition of vampire stories like interview with the vampire comes to mind namely because of the format um but yeah really good it's out on september 7th and i think jay christoph fans are really going to eat this one up yeah it's it's i mean so what does it do that, like so well because i mean obviously there's a, a lot of vampire stories have been done to death um, mm. in the last de decade or so, or last <laughs> ten, decade to 15 years. What does this one do that just makes it work? It's just his world building. And it also his characters. Like, there's a, I think as it follows, I don't want to give too much away, like even though some of this stuff appears in the blurb, but like the faith in it is based kind of very closely on Christianity because, you know, the vampire myth is very tightly woven in with that, I feel. Um, but he just puts his own spin on it. And also, like, the way he tells the story, he doesn't go chronologically. Like, Gabriel's a bit of a shit. And he'll be like, okay, I want to tell this part of the story now. I don't <laughs> want to go chronologically. And he's just <coughs> such an engaging character. They're all, like, I don't want to say typical Jay Kristoff characters, but, like, they're engaging in the way that he know that he makes them engaging. You know, like, they're irreverent. They're kind of they're cheeky. But at the, at the heart of it all, they're kind of being drawn to this big epic story against their better will, better judgment, I think. That makes sense. <laughs> no, it does. It sounds great. <laughs> and I have one more book, and I promise that's it. Um, so I'm reading Songs in Urza Major by Emma Brody. And I did pick this one up a fair while ago. I think it was on, I put it on our What We're Reading This Weekend on Booktopia's Instagram. Um, I did pick it up and then life got in the way and I had to put it back down to focus on other things. But this week I've picked it back up and I'm basically devouring it. Um, it is a fictional retelling of the intense relationship between Joni Mitchell and James Taylor in the early 70s. I didn't even know that those two were ever together, um, but there you go. And it's about what happens when heartbreak fuels this great artistic outpouring of love and grief in some incredible songwriting. Um, if you've watched Almost Famous, like countless times, or you've reread Daisy Jones and the Six countless times, and you want something with those exact vibes, this is the book for you. Like, it's got atmosphere, it's got like the behind the scenes music making stuff. Um, it, it has that thing where you like, Emma Brody describes a song and you're like, oh, I can hear this kind of in my head, but I wish I had it, like, I wish it came with, this, with a, um, a soundtrack. 
I think there's a Spotify playlist for like inspiration. But um, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. And I believe it came out yesterday. So you can Ooh. pick your copy up now. Yeah, and I've been seeing everybody talking about it on Instagram. It looks amazing. Yeah, it's got a very Insta-worthy cover. Um, very similar to Daisy Jones, I will say. But, you know, obviously marketing, they're going to do what they got to do. Um, and it is, distinct, it is a distinct what? story. I think if you love that era and that music, this is definitely a book you need to pick up. Amazing. And additionally, like, look, I'm, you've already sold me on this one because any, I'm assuming any music lovers or music listeners would, uh, would also find this particular time in music very, very interesting in the, in the 60s and, and the 70s as well. Um, particularly well, who doesn't watch Joni Mitchell? Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> sold. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Liv. Love those recommendations. Absolutely amazing. God, we have so much, so many books this week. God. Sorry. <laughs> that's all right look any for all of our listeners I, i'm not complaining at all but for all of our listeners you can access every single one of those books that we mentioned in the description box below i'm sorry it's a very long list but <laughs> not sorry you're welcome no, no i'm not sorry you're no welcome. i'm not sorry you come to this podcast at this point it's clearly your fault <laughs> <laughs> um so now we will move on to the final part of the show that everyone keeps forgetting about but then suddenly it, it jumps on them terrifyingly it is time for book fight. Um, and this week we have a theme. We have a theme to our book fight. We, so, you mean we could have studied, Nick? Oh, oh you couldn't, you, you might have studied, but, at the, but <laughs> what, I, what I anticipate it'll be a much closer game because the theme is crime fiction. Because no! at this week at Booktopia, we are yes. in the middle of crime month. Yes. So I am, oh, no. all of the questions will be related to one. crime. Crime book, Nick. I'm so ready. I'm so ready, Nick. I'm so ready. Live. <laughs> oh, <shit. Thank> <laughs> okay, look, you all. I, like, think, I can I hear, you all, I can hear you all being like, "Oh no, no, I've got no chance." You don't know until you play. Um, so I'm gonna get a buzzer from each of you, uh, and I'll start with you, Liv. What shall yours be? Goose. Goose. Amazing. That's um, my boy, Amy. Yeah. <laughs> Amy? Uh, my buzzer shall be toast. Toast? Yes. <laughs> Excellent. I love it. And lastly, Danny, what shall yours be? Uh, well, if we've got toast, mine's going to have to be jam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, please. And you know, I always forget my buzzer name. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to, like, I'm just going to hear it be like, nah, 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 like, just loud noises. I'm going to write it down in front of me. Jam, jam, <laughs> jam. <laughs> oh. uh, okay. The questions are ready. Let's get ready and play a book fight. Question one. Often called the first nonfiction novel, who wrote the true crime book in Cold Blood? Go, Goose. Yep. Truman Capote. Truman Capote is correct. It is Truman Capote. Well done. Straight on it. Love it. Question two. Arthur Hastings is the best friend of which detective? Goose. Yes? Is it Lord Peter Whimsey? No, it is not Lord Peter Whimsey. Mm. No, it is not Lord Peter Whimsey. I thought I was going to be good at this. It seems I'm not. It's early days yet. <laughs> Come on. I read my first crime book last month, um, so I'm just going to... <laughs> Just uh, watch for oh, this one. Um, jam, 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 jam. Yes. Is it, is it Poirot? Yes, it is Hercule Poirot, Poirot is, the, is the answer. Yes. Oh, excuse my French. Sorry. I, I do. <laughs> He's Belgian. It's fine. Yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> Take a point off me. Take a point off me. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Hercule Poirot is That's the answer. Funny. Yeah, it's a... Uh, <laughs> And uh, yeah, well done. Arthur Hastings. Captain Arthur Hastings is what he's more known for. But if I said Captain Hastings, yeah. you would have got it immediately. Question three, and we're going to stay in the world of Agatha Christie for a bit longer. Okay. Where does Miss Marple live? Um... And also, you're not allowed to cheat. I don't want anyone. No, my head. You can see my hands. Yep. Oh, England. <laughs> We've all got our hands on our heads now. Uh, you can't say England. That's it's too. <laughs> yes, I can. Jam, jam, jam. Yeah. Oh, it, it's a village. Uh, Mary Mead. 
Oh, you. Oh, I'll, I'll give that to you. It is Saint Mary Mead is the correct answer. I'll give that to you. Very close. Nice. Close. Are we, are we really having our hands on our heads? This is time. <laughs> I'd like to drink my kombucha if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna force you to do hands on the head. I just don't want to hear any keyboard typing. Okay. <clears throat> Question four. Which iconic detective novel contains the following quote? Dead men are heavier than broken hearts. Now this question actually comes from Sarah McDooling. I stole it from the Booktopian quiz from 2018. So any, any long time Booktopian blog readers? Yes, Goose? That sounds like a noir type, like a um, mm -hmm. hard-boiled detective. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to guess Maltese Falcon? No. That's a good guess, though. But you're, not, you're not actually, yeah, you're not far away. You're not far away. Okay, okay. Throw us a hint, Nick. Throw us a hint. Yeah. The author is Raymond Chandler. Ooh. That's <laughs> <laughs> why I'm like, oh, you, oh, you, oh, you close it. <laughs> We've had that crack. I've got no idea. No, no, no idea. Do I at least get half a point for Raymond Chandler? <laughs> I can, I can, I'm tempted to give you half a point for Raymond Chandler because that was a, a solid, a solid yeah. guess. Do yeah, it. I'll give you half. Do a point. it. Why not? The, what was the book? The answer, uh, Amy. Do you want to have a crack, or do you want to? <laughs> oh, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> the answer I will take is the Big Sleep. Oh. Big Sleep by Raymond Chandler. All right, we are now approaching the halfway point of Book Fight. And currently we are sitting, uh, Danny is currently sitting on two points. Olivia is on yes. one and a half. Amy is yet to score. Do not worry though, Amy, because I know that you're going, geez, Louise, how am I going to get points here? The next couple of questions, I'm anticipating the points are about to go completely and utterly insane. So... To the point where I might not be able well, to keep track. I to think that that time I won was a massive fluke. <laughs> yeah, it is. I won once, never again. <laughs> question five. And for this question, I am going to suspend the buzzer. Ooh. So, for one point well, each... We just hmm? yell out the answer. Try and yell out the, as many answers as you can. Oh, okay. This is scary. Yes. Question five. For one point each, name as many books as you can written by crime fiction author and booktopian favourite, Candace Fox. The Chase. The Chase. Okay, yep, the ch uh, Amy gets the Gathering Chase. Gathering Dark. Gathering Dark. Yeah. Who said Gathering Dark? Me. Eden. Hades. Hades. Okay, we got I Eden. Have you got Hades? Yep. Um... Yeah. I, I love Candace. Hush, hush. <laughs> Which one? Hush, hush. Crimson yes, Lake. that's one as well. Crimson Lake. Crimson Lake. Yeah. Yes, that's one as well. Uh, Amy's got one. Livia's got two. Danny's got uh, two. Uh, I've got. Uh, yeah, I'm tapped out. That's all well, I know. Liar, liar, liar. Liar, liar. Yes, that's one as well. Yep. Um, um, oh, now, you know, this is a cheat. All her books with James Patterson, they have that sort of repeat repeat yeah title. yes they do like um 50 50 yes that's yes. one yeah yes. yes that was one <laughs> um holy moly <laughs> i love candace by the way i just haven't memorized all her books um <laughs> how long have we got 10 seconds uh we go until you oh, run out um uh, gone by midnight Yep, I that's another one. I yes. loved that. That was great. That book Very good. One. Yes. Uh, there's a couple more repeat ones, which I can't think. Um, did I say Liar Liar? You, ha say you have Liar Liar has been said. Okay. Hush Hush has been said. 50 okay. 50 has been said. Well, I'm probably tapped out. <laughs> Lou, have you got um, any more? Uh, yeah. The Inn. The Inn. The Inn? I'm not seeing the Inn on this list here. No, oh. unfortunately. But what if it. Are there any that we haven't got? Okay, so the, the full list I have here in front of me is Hades, Eden, Fall, Never Never, 50 mm. 50, oh. Liar Liar, Hush Hush, Crimson Lake, Redemption Point, Gone by Midnight, Black and Blue, Gathering Dark, and The Chase. The Inn she wrote with James Patterson. 
Oh, don't know why it's in the list here. We'll have to consult the uh, we'll have to consult the brains trust near the end of the po- of the podcast, um, <laughs> and see if that is correct or not. Great work, guys! Well, decent chunk of points uh, accumulated there. Were you able to capture all those points, Nick? Yes, I was. <laughs> I was. I got five at least. <laughs> I've no idea. I just kept shouting them out. I've no idea. <laughs> Question six. Detective Cormac Riley is the creation of which Irish Australian crime author? Goose. Yep. Devlin McTiernan. Devlin McTiernan. Yes, it is. Well done. Correct. Tip of my tongue, that one. Well done. <laughs> we are at question. We've got two more questions left. Currently, Danny is on seven points. Olivia is on four. Amy is on one. Don't worry, you can. I, the I game think, is still very much I, open for anyone to win. I think Nick, I'm on. Did you say seven? Seven. Pending another one. <laughs> Potentially, we'll have to we'll have to check the list in a, in a second. I love that I love that you're now you're now contesting the, the just contesting saying, the points. Just saying, just saying. Suddenly, I feel like I'm now I now feel like how you guys feel whenever you guys do book. Actually, I should be on four and a half if we're really counting. Yes, oh, yeah, exactly. She half. should. That's right. Yes. Don't let him get away with this, Liv. Don't let him get away with it. Oh, I won't. I'll make his life hell. <laughs> <laughs> Question seven. Oof. I know that we've we've actually been discussing this book a lot of today, but what is the upcoming title in Gabriel Bergmoser's Hunted Series? Jam, 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 jam. <laughs> yes. Uh, that would be the inheritance. It would be the inheritance. Yes, love game. All right, question eight, and once again, this is our final question, um, and I'm going to suspend the buzzer yet oh, again. This is stressful. Yes. <laughs> and the question is. Name as many book titles as you can in Ian Rankin's Inspector Reader series. Oh, oh dear. No. Oh, dear. <laughs> I'm out. It was fun playing, guys. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Uh, You've got 24 really to pick from. 24 to pick yeah. from. 24 titles to pick from. And none of us can think of any. All right, I'm going to put my brain on. Um, <laughs> thinking music. So there's 24 potential points up for grabs here. Oh my god! Imagine that. Imagine that. <laughs> um, oh, uh, a, a song for the dark times. A song for the dark times is yes, that is one. That is the most recent one. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've got more. He has one coming out. Oh no. He does have one coming out, but I actually don't have that on the list here, which I probably should check. What about dogs? Dogs? Mm. Oh, is there one called dogs? Even Sleeping Dogs Wild? Dogs in the Wild? <laughs> even Dogs in the Wild is the correct answer. Yes! I think. I I'm out. That's all I, think, I got. I don't know if that was you or Liv. I think, I think it was a combined effort to get that one. I did not. No, don't give me a point, but I said like Sleeping Dogs Wild, which is not even close to what it was supposed to be. <laughs> do not give me a point for that. <laughs> All right. Anyone, uh, Liv? Do you want like? Does anyone want to try and have a go anymore? No, I'm not, you got nothing. I'm not good with Ian Rankin. <laughs> <laughs> Even right, though well. he's amazing, we just can't remember the titles of his. <laughs> All right. So the uh, I would have accepted knots, knots and crosses, hide and seek, tooth and nail, strip jack, the black book. Mortal Causes, Let It Bleed, Black and Blue, The Hanging Garden, Dead Souls, Set in Darkness, The Falls, wow. Resurrection Men, A Question of Blood, Flesh Market Clothes, The Naming of the Dead, Exit Music, Standing in Another Man's Grave, Saints of the Shadow Bible, Even Dog, oh, we got Even Dogs in the Wild, Rather Be the Devil, In the House, In a House of Lies, and lastly, A Song for the Dark. Oof, that's some list. Yes, it is. I feel some like list. I could have guessed at least five of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure some of those are also Candace Fox books. Yeah, I know they actually are. <laughs> there is a she does have a black and blue with that she did with James Patterson as well, which I think is hilarious. Um, that brings us to the end of book fight. Let's have a look at the scores. Oh my goodness gracious me, Amy. I know this is not uh, themed for you uh, in your favour. So embarrassed. Respectable one point. I'm so proud of you. Um, Amy, uh, Olivia yeah. finishes on four and a half points. Congratulations, <laughs> Olivia. Danny, you kicked ass. Ten points. Well done. Well done. Well done. Was that including the in or not? That was not including the in. So yeah. <laughs> I love that you're contesting it even after you've like doubled everyone's scores. 
Um, excuse me, more points, please. <laughs> Look, I don't win very often. Uh, our friend Liv, she wins a lot. So, you know, can you I see do. that? I think this is the first time you've beat me. So It is, definitely. Can you oh, see I that? I see it. Liv? Yes, I, I see that. Yes, yeah. the in. Yeah. So that would be 11 points for Danny. <laughs> <laughs> can I accumulate these points? Because I, I don't need 11. Can I take some with me for the next time? I go? <laughs> God, that would be a try like mathematically just uh, trying to pull yeah. that all together and oh, combine it. numbers together. If, it, if it's maths, it's all over. <laughs> um, amazing, amazing work, guys. And that brings us to the end of the Weekend Booktopian for another week. Thanks to all of my guests uh, for joining us and be sure to check out all of the books that we have mentioned today down in the description box. Check out the Words and Nerds podcast wherever you get your podcast from and also check out their most recent episodes, including Danny's Conversation with Lynn Yewatt, author of The Silent Listener, and as well as her ongoing series, publisher, Publishing Insider, which will soon feature Booktopia's very own Scott Whitmont in an, in an upcoming episode. Danny, it's always a pleasure having you, and thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. I love my time with you guys in Booktopia, even when you torture me with book fights. So I love coming on and having this book chat. So thanks for having me again. You're very, very welcome. And thanks also, Olivia and Amy, for coming on. Appreciate it very much, Lee. The Weekend Booktopian was produced by myself, Nick Vassiliev, and you can check out hundreds of episodes on our Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud channels, including our recent interval with Bridie Jabor, author of Trivial Grievances. Also, be sure to check out Booktopia TV on YouTube, or if you cannot get enough of chatting to authors, head to the Booktopian blog curated by Olivia Frico, where you can read articles that are pushed every single day, including our recent Crime Month blog posts, um, as well as what is located on Nicola West's and Val McDermott's crime bookshelves. Thank you so much for listening, and never stop reading. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or, if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com dot au